Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Chef Special on the Believe Podcast Network. This is Patrick Honeywell. My guest today is Mike Crea, founder and owner of Unsung Brewery, an award winning superhero comic book themed independent brewery located in Anaheim, California. On today's podcast, Mike details his brand, utilizing a superhero theme to illustrate the passion he has for comics as much as beer, developing unique beers from concept to finished product in pursuit of heroic beer. Good morning, Mike. How are you doing today? Good morning. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Wonderful. Hey, did you, were you just brewing some cool beer or what, what's going on over there today? Yeah, we actually have two batches going in, in, in our two different locations. So, um, you know, with COVID uh, this past year, one of the, the bright spots was I was able to get back on the brewing deck and um, get back to doing what I love instead of um, as well as running a business, I should say. <laughs> well, you know, I have to say that, gosh, you know, I thought before this podcast, uh, before I speak with Mike, I've got to go out and pick up some of this beer. So I, I went over to and I'm looking at it right here. It's uh, the butchery uh, carries your beer. So I walked in there and I said, hey, give me some of that unsung beer. OK, and the guy goes, oh, wait, oh, we're out. And I go, no, 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 no. So I'm doing a podcast with my friend, Mike, and we got to get this thing going. He goes, oh, wait, wait, here it is. And he's a cool guy, Derek. He was pretty excited about uh, uh, the podcast and all. But I have to say, this beer is amazing. It's uh, Invisibility. It's part of our new series. That's actually the first one in a series called our Supernatural series. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, that was uh, another bright spot that that kind of came out of COVID as well. Um, you know, we had such a, a lull in production that it gave us a really good opportunity to do a lot of R&D stuff. Um, a ton of stuff that we had wanted to try, but, you know, when you're on a production schedule, you don't want to run out of beer for some of your core customers um, and you want to keep um, everyone happy. And so you don't really get time to kind of, um, you know, tinker around. And so we just uh, did a ton of stuff and used a ton of different ingredients. And uh, this Supernatural series is um, um, the fruits of, of, of all the, the labor. And so like, you know, I, I, our brand is obviously very um, superhero-esque, but I do like literal senses as well. And, and, and the, the literal sense of this was, you know, to get through last year, you, you kind of had to have some type of supernatural power or ability. And so each can is, or each, each uh, beer we come out with is a, a superhero power, which this first one is invisibility. That is so awesome. So we'll let the audience know a little bit uh, of your backstory. You have a passion, and I do too. As a kid, I collected like crazy um, superhero comic books. Why don't you talk about a little bit about your story coming uh, coming out from Ohio and you know how you started even getting excited about comic books because that's a big theme in your brewery. I, what, as a young age, I mean, even when I couldn't remember, I, I, I looked at old photos and uh, every Halloween when I was a kid, I was either Spider-Man or the Incredible Hulk um, or, um, you know, Wolverine, those types of characters. And so um, I was definitely um, uh, gravitated towards that fantasy realm at a young age. And then when I got <clears throat> a little bit older, I, you know, my brother and I were, were just two totally different people. And he was more into reading um, historical type, you know, books and those, you know, in that world where I just kind of liked the supernatural, 
uh, fantasy world and, and superheroes was it for me. And so then when I got older, I was able to start, um, you know, putting things together and reading these incredible stories. And so the thing that always struck me when I was younger was these are such amazing stories. Um, but the technology in terms of putting it all together in film and television wasn't there yet. And so, you know, the shows I watched was the original Batman with Adam West and Spider-Man and Lou Ferrigno as the Incredible Hulk. And as cheesy as they were, it was the best that 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 things were at the time. Um, and then around 88 or 89, the, the uh, Tim Burton Batman came out and it just completely shook my world. So mm. um, I had loved these stories and I had loved the uh, the quiet time of reading comics and just immersing yourself in them. So to finally see them come out onto the, the big screen the way that they should be is is tremendous. No, it's really it's awesome. There's a it's a long way from the beginning days in TV where Adam West was Batman. And I saw a photo of you meeting Adam West, right? Yeah, when I was <laughs> younger, pretty awesome. The socks, the socks you you wore your socks all the way up to the knees back then in that photo. And, well, I still uh, do. You don't? <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Wow. Yeah, he was at a mall and my mom took me there to go see him. And uh, yeah, I was just um, insane when it came to all of that uh, Marvel, DC. And um, and then, you know, the the stories, and you, you know, you'll remember, I, I was a collector. So I like baseball cards and I love collecting things that made, that meant something to me. And then the, the bonus was that they, they actually held some value in terms of how well you, you, you kept them um, mint condition. And so I'd always buy two versions because I wanted one to read and, and one to not touch. Um, but then, you know, there was a turning. Yeah. You know, it, was, it just, I, the baseball card thing kind of got me in that, in that spot. And then <clears throat> there was a real weird po point where the, the comics started to, to take a turn to like a more serious tone. There was, I, I must've been around 13 or 14, something around there. And, and, they were dealing with really big, serious issues. You know, superheroes were getting injured and hurt and possibly dying. And and um, and I was like, wow, man, this is really taking a, 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 a cooler version. And the older I got, it just still kind of made sense to, to keep reading them. So, mm. uh, yeah, I loved them. Yeah, yeah, I still do. I mean, I watch all of the, you know, when the movies come out, it's pretty awesome. So let's talk a little bit about your beer and about brewing. Did you start homebrewing or how did you get into beer, actually? I'm originally from Ohio and um, uh, my cousin uh, got got big into wine and he started um, he started making wine and he started to study to get his uh, sommelier, uh, which is not an easy task. Um, I believe he had, last time I checked, he got to like level two, level two or three. Hmm. Um, Long story short, uh, I started helping him out a little bit and we would get grapes shipped out to us from, you know, Lodi and uh, Sonoma and, and uh, Amador County out this way. Um, and it was great. It was fun. Um, I like the organic uh, feel of making, taking something and changing it completely into something else. Um, same thing with cooking is very much like that raw ingredients and you're turning it into this, this um, plate or meal. Mm -hmm. Um, so any event he started winning, uh, in just these smaller competitions and I really enjoyed it. Um, the one problem I had with wine was, um, no matter what you did, no matter how long you aged it, um, 
you could only go so far with wine as long as the grapes were good. If the grapes were not very good, which you really didn't know until later on in the process, mm-hmm. um, then you were left with a bunch of um, table wine is what we would call it. Um, so that's kind of how I started getting into the fermentation and, 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 and tinkering around with beer. Hmm. Uh, with beer, there's 9 million ingredients, 9 million different combinations of grain and hops and different water chemistry. Um, and you enjoyed that. Well, only 9 million. Well, that's not so bad. Oh, just kidding. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so at Unsung, I mean, you've got some really amazing. I'm going to read. This is pretty cool. I've got to read this description of one. It, it put me in the Midwest. You know, I haven't spent a lot of time there, but I read it. It's called Buzzman. And I'm reading, it says, Buzzman is a crisp, refreshing, sessionable mutant ale inspired by lawnmower beers of the Midwest. So I'm thinking I can almost imagine sitting in a chair, watching my dad or somebody mowing the lawn, smelling that fresh cut grass in the Midwest, and maybe Buzzman. How did that one come about? That's a great description. Thanks. Actually, it was the first beer we brewed. Um, So where I'm from uh, in the Midwest, the um, cream ale, which is what this uh, style is, um, it kind of trickled down through the Great Lakes from Canada. And the reason it came about in America was it was a low alcohol, sessionable, crisp uh, and dry, light beer to compete with the American lagers. Uh, the lagers uh, take a little bit longer. And so this was an ale. It basically cuts the time uh, nearly in half. And so when I was growing up, when you go to a friend's house, the, you know, everyone had this, um, this beer called the Genesee Cream Ale. And it's quite grotesque. Uh, I remember <laughs> thinking that when I first had it. Uh, nonetheless, that's what everyone drank. And they drank it in the summer um, because we didn't see many um, pleasant hot days in the, um, in the Midwest. And so uh, to take it a step further, my father growing up was always in the yard. It was a sense of pride to have a well-kept, nice, clean, beautiful yard. Um, you were almost ashamed on the street if you didn't cut your grass properly. Um, and so uh, though, that was the beer that, that, that you drank in a hot day in the summer outside. Um, and so Buzzman, to get you even more literal, my dad nickname, he goes by the name of Buzz, um, is the typical Midwestern uh, you know, middle-aged man that goes out and, and, and manicures his yard. And it's called a lawnmower beer because you can have multiple beers and still kind of keep your wits about you and make straight lines and not kind of start to drift off a little bit. Interesting. Wow. Great description. We brought it out to the West Coast because out here they make that beer and they make it a completely different way. They make it uh, a little bit sweeter and they sometimes will add vanilla and they make it the literal sense of a cream ale. And that's not what the, the style actually is. And so... For our West Coast spin, we actually use some of the um, more citrusy hops uh, later in the boil to to bring out a little bit of citrus notes in the uh, beer. Gosh, so when when somebody says I, I would really like to have an unsung um, beer, what what style of beer would you say unsung is known for? I would say um, we're known for two different beers. One was not by choice; uh, just kind of happen that way. The first one I would say is um, our West Coast IPAs. All of our IPAs really are hazy IPAs and our West Coast IPAs. Um, we brew to a specific style. I like hop flavor, not hop bitterness. And um, a lot of people come in and they say we, they don't like IPAs. And I always would ask when I was working in the tap room, 
do, do you not like IPAs or do you just not like bitterness? And they said, well, I, they're too bitter for me. And I said, okay, well, try, try ours. Um, and, and there's no bigger compliment than getting someone that says they don't like IPAs to try your IPAs and like them. And that's kind of what we were going for with our IPAs, um, dry, crisp, clean. Um, so yeah, I think people come for that. They also come for our sours, which we've been getting really, really big into uh, with the heavier fruited sours. Uh, and then uh, one style that we didn't anticipate was um, our lagers. Um, we ended up winning um, a bronze medal a couple of years back at uh, the Great American Beer Festival mm. for our Mexican lager, Lumino, which has, um, you know, become a, a crowd favorite in Orange County in some of the bars. And um, yeah, and so we kind of focused a lot on how to make uh, lagers really good. And they're, they're one of the tougher styles to make. R&D, when you're doing R&D on a beer, I think about food coming from the food side, you know, and pastry, et cetera. It's a really big part of it. Or when you're doing R&D, what inspires you and what are you looking for? Like, let's say you're going to come up with a new beer. You say, oh my gosh, what's your motivation? Is there anything happening in the world? You say, this is what we need. Does it just depend on what the market, what the market's looking for? So Mike, what inspirations come when you're doing R&D on a new beer or seltzer with flavor profiles? How do you put that together? Um, a lot of it comes from experience, but um, initially when we were starting the brewery, everything was kind of uh, born out of, you know, I would be eating something for dinner or lunch and I would immediately kind of like ask myself, what is the best beer to, to pair with something like this? And so, you know, a literal answer to that is our propeller head, which is an American amber with uh, locally roasted coffee. Um, and I was eating a a peppercorn crusted New York strip steak. And it had a, a mushroom demi-glass with um, smashed potatoes. Awesome. And um, yeah, that one kind of just came into my, my brain. And I was like, man, these, these two flavors would go great. You get some really good caramel notes from the amber. You're gonna get the nice roastiness from the coffee uh, to pair with some of the, the, the bitterness from the peppercorn. Um, and, it, and it just kind of, uh, was born out of out of that. Lately, it's a lot of it is um, what the what the public is looking for. Mm -hmm. um, so the really hard thing with beer is there's so many different types of barley and grain that you can use. And so I'm a big fan of of tasting the grain uh, prior to using it, and it kind of gives you an idea of where the beer is going to go. That the the hard thing is you have to separate the sweetness out of it because the, the sugar is going to be gone once the yeast eats it all. So what's remaining? And you got to be able to taste that and separate the, the sugar out of it. Gotcha. Yeah. Don't, don't get distracted by the sweetness while you're doing the first taste. That makes sense. How many beers do you currently have now? I mean, we're one of those breweries where we do have um, like four or five mainstay beers and then the rest are just all brand new beers. Okay, let's stick with the four or five for a couple questions. Okay, imagine, because I'm thinking of the pairing, you know, we do food pairing. I always think about wine pairing with food or chocolate or something. So let's talk beer. Fascinating for me. So let's say that you've got those beers, you know, in your arsenal and you're walking into a beer uh, place that does hamburgers. What's the beer? You can only show one one beer to this this place. Which beer would you have them try with a really big, juicy hamburger? I would actually, I go with Buzzman or Lumino. And the reason for that is when I, when I think of a, of a burger joint, I'm thinking greasy, salty, um, 
you know, umami type mm -hmm. flavors. Um, you're going to want something that's going to be able to cut through a lot of that fat mm -hmm. and a lot of that, um, that oil. And so you're going to need something that's going to have a, um, a, a higher end carbonation, right. To, to act as a palate cleanser in between bites. Um, and that's what, that's what Buzzman would do. Um, uh, as well as the coolest thing about Buzzman to me is when you drink it, um, once you get to the finish or the swallow, it, it just completely is gone out of the mouth. It's that well of a, of a palate cleanser. Yeah. And so when you got a burger and you got cheese and, and, and things that are, um, um, more on the fattier side of, of things, you, you want something that's going to kind of wash that away. Okay. Wow. That's awesome. Drinkers. Yeah. Let's say you, uh, you take a date to um, an Italian restaurant and the woman sits down with you and they say, I want to have some wine. And you go, wait, wait, no, let's, let's, uh, let's try a beer. What beer would you pair with something that's kind of spicy? You know, a little bit of not spicy and in, in, in as far as heat goes, but the Italian spices, something that's, you know, a little bit of oregano and, you know, maybe thyme and things like that. Would there be a particular beer that you would show to the restaurant manager? Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of the European uh, or I should say Mediterranean style um, food pairs extremely well with Belgian beers. Hmm. Um, and the reason for that is Belgians have uh, Belgian yeast has a very um, which can be considered. There's a lot of different, um, you know, synonyms for it, but basically spice spices is a main component. There's mm -hmm. a lot of coriander um, you'll get from there. There's also um, some hay, um, as well as um, like a very earthy uh, spiciness. And so when I think of Italian food or Mediterranean food, it's very like rugged. It's very um, simple. Um, there's typically bread uh, that's also paired with it. And um, so Belgian beer, just like English beer and American beer has, you know, the lightest of light, and then they can go all the way to the, the Trappist stuff. Mm -hmm. which is like a quad and a, and, and a triple, which is, you know, in the eight to 9% range. So you can go small and big as well in the Belgian range. Um, it's, it would typically depend if you're having something that's uh, Italian with meat, mm -hmm. you're going to want to put something like a, um, a double or a quad with that because you're going to have that roastiness. You're going to want some caramel notes with it, uh, but also have a, a, a unique spicy character with it. Hmm. Uh, that, that that's where, I, where, where I've been trained to kind of point, point beers to. Yeah, that's awesome. So what about like, okay, I'm looking at the beer Invisibility, the one that I had. My wife and I had it, and, and she didn't really, she wasn't in the mood for beer. It wasn't like hot outside. She thinks she has to quench, you know, the, her, her thirst. But I poured some, and we both went, <gasps> because it's almost, I don't know if it's almost like a peach, peach notes or something, but it blew her mind. So what would you, what would you recommend something like that? I mean, this beer, it's amazing. I, so with the hazy IPAs, what goes really, really well for me is um, some, of the, some of those salads that have more, more things going on with them, mm -hmm. um, you know, like a niçoise or even uh, something that has, um, you know, mandarins or fruit, fruited in, fruit in the salad, uh, nuts as well. Um, and so what you're smelling is exactly what we were trying to get out of, out of some of those hops there's no fruit added in that so Gosh. you get like that peach skin is what i kind of call that mm -hmm. or even like the nectarine pit um and then the hops that we use in there there's also some some really awesome mango and pineapple fruity uh tones to go with that and so um the other styles of food this is kind of like more of the extreme but um a lot of 
uh, Indian food mm -hmm. and um, uh, things that use a lot of different curries uh, go really, really well with IPAs. Interesting. Okay. Well, I'm going to hit you with, okay, I know you're a big superhero guy. Uh, first, I'll ask you quickly, though, what do you think of Spider-Man? I love Spider-Man. Um, I thought, it, it, you know, I have a, a soft side of, of my heart to Spider-Man because growing up is, is when I kind of got into Spider-Man. And there's this, mm. the cool thing about comics for me was that I was able to take it somehow literally in my everyday life. And so adolescence or trying to fit in in school, um, every child goes through that. And we had a very, very small town and a very small school that we were, we were um, raised in. And so what I really dug about Spider-Man was like, he, he just didn't fit in. And the whole, the whole origin story of Spider-Man is essentially going through puberty. And um, he gets these, these, these powers. And then, you know, the next chapter of that is the responsibility that kind of goes along with that. But he's just a kid trying to make it. And um, he's got these great, great uh, powers and all this weight on his shoulders. And that's kind of how you feel sometimes when you're a kid, especially in high school. And um, boy, you only wish that you could you could go back at like where I'm at in my age of 43 and, and just, you know, tell, tell that, that younger self, like, you know, things will get better and, and there's way more important stuff to worry about later on in life. <laughs> Let's say that you're, Mike, you're working at a bar and you look up and all of a sudden Spider-Man sits down, the Hulk sits down and Wolverine, the three of them, and they say, Give me a beer and each one just ask for a beer. But what would you say? Oh my gosh, this is my chance to share this beer with this character. Would they all get the same beer? Or what do you think you'd serve them knowing that you know quite a bit about each character? That's such a great question uh, that I've never been asked. But that uh, the way I would answer it is, um, so Wolverine is from Canada. Uh, I would give him the Buzzman because he doesn't want anything very, very foofy with his beer. He doesn't want anything with fruit in it. He doesn't really care about the hops. He just wants something that's going to be cold and something that he can kind of crush down. Hmm. Uh, the Hulk uh, is going to want something that's more like a double IPA, something that's full flavor, but a lot of alcohol. It's about 9%. Um, <laughs> he's not going to want anything that's, that's, that's soft or light as well, but he wants something that's going to get the job done, gotcha. I would think. <laughs> um, and then uh, Spidey, I always took Spidey to be a little bit more eccentric um, and a little bit more book smart. And so I think that he would probably go for some of our sours that just um, have an amazing colors to them and, and uh, an explosion of flavor. That's what I would think. That sounds awesome. Okay, another, maybe a final question as far as the comic books. If the late Stan Lee or George Lucas asked you to make them a beer, what would you and your team come up with if you had to develop something for them? Well, uh, for George Lucas, I would love to do a rendition or a take on the blue milk uh, beverage that is in the newer uh, Star Wars series that just came out. Okay. I think we could do something cool where we could like mimic the exact color um, and then do something where there's some residual sugars in there and it's it's got maybe a little bit of, of um, milk sugar in there so it keeps it nice and creamy i would love to make that an alcoholic drink so i would probably do that for him um boy stan lee oh i know what i would do um 
we've wanted to do this for a long time, but there's there's a bunch of different ingredients that you can add to to a beer. Um, and what we wanted to do was make the same beer, but with two different ingredients. And when you poured it together, it changed colors. So one was yellow and one was, you know, purple. And when you combine the two in one glass, the, the beverage completely changed to like, you know, blue or something Gosh. like that. Interesting. Um, I think that makes sense to me from the superhero world where two powers combine to make a, a totally different new beer. So when you're doing that process of R&Ding, I don't know how many times do you think you have to redo it? I, I read something you wrote once that was awesome. Potential evil lurks at every step of the brewing process, right? How, how much work is, is uh, put into that? A lot. Um, a lot of people always ask us, you know, how do you come up with your recipes? Um, and the recipe is just one small facet of brewing. It's hard to explain until you actually get into the daily grind of brewing. Um, but the R&D prior to actually ever crushing grain um, is, is a lot. Um, we sit down, we talk about what flavors we want. You have to have a game plan. It's just like football. You have to have a plan and you have to, um, you have to plan on things not going the way that they're supposed to go. And what do you do here? And how do you get, you know, these flavors out? So it's, it's, it's almost, I'm very hard on, on myself, but it, it very rare do we make a beer and I'm, and we've made exactly what we were trying to do. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just like, you know, peeling away another piece of the onion and, and we've discovered, oh, wow. Okay. So we're not going to do that next time because that's, you know, it took us over here. Um, you can kind of imagine with the amount of ingredients and the amount of, um, different ways of brewing that it takes you a long, long, long time. That's why you can be, you know, in your sixties and seventies in this industry and still be learning something every day. Um, so yeah, a lot of it is just sitting around and just kind of putting on paper what we're looking for and how we're trying to get there. And more times than not, it doesn't happen, but we learn something from it. And that's the beauty of it. So once you get there and you've, let's say the beer is, you go, this is it. Let's it's, you release it and it's doing, it, it's doing great. Do you ever review it later and say, you know what, I wish we had done this. And then you do a little tweak to it, even when it's out in the market. Yep. It's the worst thing you can do. I learned that the hard way. Mm, okay. Um, one of our first IPAs, it's a, it's a crowd favor called Anthea. Um, you know, we wanted to make something that was super tropical, kind of like what you're smelling in, in the invisibility, mm -hmm. but it was going to be a West coast IPA. And you, you buy these hops prior to brewing. So you get con back then you got contracts and they would be five-year contracts because there was a hop shortage a couple of years before we started brewing. And so the worst thing that can happen is you make a beer and it's got these essential hops. And then next year, you're not able to get them. Therefore that beer you cannot make. God. So we got into these hop contracts that were five years out. And these were the hops that we had to make this beer. Um, so we made it and we always thought we could make it better. We always thought we could make it with different tropical flavors. And so what we did was we, we tweaked it every single time we brewed it after that. And people would start coming in and they're going, what are you doing? Why are you messing with this beer? This doesn't taste the same. Last batch was better. And I've been on that side of the, the bar and I get where they were coming from. And now I'm on the other side of the bar and I'm trying to explain to them, well, we're, we're trying to make it better. And, and to their eyes, it was perfect. 
Um, and so what we should have done was named it something else and put an untap. Um, so we've learned from that and we've recently, a year and a half ago, just stopped tinkering with it and went back to the original recipe and, and that's what people love. That's what they remember when we first opened and that's what they want. Well, your beer is amazing and it's kind of, it's so different than anything I've had. Um, yeah, I love it. And now I know where to get it. So that's really cool. So I know you've got a lot to do, to do today. You're, you're brewing like crazy. So I'm going to let you go. But do you have any, any final thoughts at all, Mike, or um, on what's going on lately with you or any new beers? Or what are you thinking? Yeah, you know, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the um, just our industry and how, how incredible it is. And we're really no different than a small mom and pop uh, restaurant, um, you know, you can get large in this industry. You can have aspirations of growing and just being a giant powerhouse. And um, that's never been our focus or my focus. Um, my focus was to keep it small and comfortable um, and so that we can control our product. Um, we can have a lot more say in the direction that we, we go and we could be flexible. And so the independent small craft breweries in the area and in the country are, um, a giant and huge inspiration. So sometimes it's hard when you go to the store and you, you buy a beer and you think that it's an independent beer. Um, but you know, later on you find out that they were bought by big beer and, you know, make no mistake about it. Um, big beer is, is, is the reason that we are, um, in the market because we want something else. We want something better. We want something to be, um, you know, made right down the street. It's, it's kind of the era of the farmer's market where you want to have something that was grown um, in your community. You want to support people that um, uh, are just like you. And so that's the, the beauty of, of, of having control over a small business. Mm -hmm. And um, supporting small, supporting independent, is, uh, uh, and supporting your neighborhood. I like to say that we're your friendly neighborhood brewery. Um, like your Spider friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So Excellent. I would be remiss to say that the industry is, is full of, of, of people just like you and me that, um, you know, made it through a, 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 a giant storm last year where, you know, our tap room was designed to fit as many people in here as possible, shoulder to shoulder and be more communal. Um, come with a group of friends, cheers each other, meet new people. And, and COVID kind of wiped that out completely. And so, uh, you know, like restaurants, um, we had to shift and we had to adjust. Um, and we're just kind of hoping that we're, we're gonna get back to, to um, you know, being next to people and being able to hug people and being able to, to taste beers with everybody. And um, yeah, so um, I'm, I'm extremely blessed and uh, I'm, I'm blessed in our community and, and there's a, a, a giant thank you for uh, every single person that came out and supported us during this just uncertain times. It's kind of crazy being a business owner and, and looking back, you kind of don't want to look back. You want to look forward, you know? Exactly. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm very, I'm proud to have you here in Orange County because we're both uh, in Orange County. And, and even though you sell, you know, outside of Orange County, it's just fantastic to have you. And a little bit of a shout out to our mutual friend, Chris, who brought us together, Chris Kwok. Hello, Chris, wherever you are. Hopefully you're listening. Hey, and Chris. <laughs> Chris takes great pictures. 
Yeah, he's awesome. He's awesome. Well, thanks. He's thank awesome. you so much for joining me. And, and I've learned a lot about beer, but I have a lot more questions. So if if somebody wanted to reach out to you, Mike, and how would they follow you on social or get a, just more information on Unsung? Our Instagram handle, Unsung Brewing, is always uh, the most updated. We're currently coming out with our new website next week, which is going to have a lot more capabilities in terms of staying connected with us. Um, we recently started doing a weekly newsletter. And so um, in the newsletter, I'm also going back to blogging. I just think that, again, I love brewing and I love talking about beer. And those are two things that uh, this past year taught me how much I I truly missed. And so I want to get back to doing that. I want to have get back to having connection with people. Yeah. Um, and so those are the, uh, the the best spots to reach out to us, um, as well as sending us an email, um, sales at unsungbrewing.com with questions. Um, I love hearing from people. That sounds awesome. Well, Mike, thank you again for coming on the show. It's been uh, a lot of fun and I've learned a lot. So thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. For all of you listening out there, Chef Special is part of the Believe Podcast Network. Check it out at believe.com. And follow me on Instagram at Patrick Honeywell. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.